Hello. I'm Charlie Jake Forrest. I'm Janine Ashblas. And I'm Alice Sky. And you're listening to a Kinky Brits podcast. You're listening to a um, slightly phone together at the last minute recording because um, it turns out that the definition of studio and uh, podcasting studio can have quite a range of interpretations. So whilst we were expecting something kind of very close to a uh, fully rigged kind of um, radio suite with a sound booth and uh, some kind of a wiry, greasy head fellow who's going to like you know plug in cables and like you know run around frantically and make vague gestures at us through soundproof glass, um, what we have is we have a room. They have a nice glass table. It has a nice glass table. There have been some special modifications made to assist in the podcasting. Um, behind us, there is a welcome to Night Vale poster. A circle of rooms. And the glowing pink light that says on air. What more could you ask for? Except that's a microphone. Red wine? Later. Afterwards. Cracking. In case you haven't gathered, because I haven't actually said anything yet, uh, we are here at the Nine Worlds Geek Fest in London, just outside Heathrow. As part of the joyous facilities available, there is a podcasting studio, and so, being a bunch of uh, kinky British writers, we thought, oh, that sounds like fun. Masochistic, some of us, for doing this. Masochistic, some of us, for other reasons. We'll get on to that later. <laughs> However, I was very pleased when I started looking through the, the schedule, I realised that actually there's quite a lot of erotica-based stuff going on, and as part of that, there's a, lo- a number of very wonderful Oscar writers kind of just generally around and about and available and kind of, you know, ready to be sort of grabbed and dragged into mysterious rooms at short notice. Hi, Janine. <laughs> Hello, Al. <laughs> yes, we're being joined today by the wonderful Janine Ashbless. So what are we going to talk about, shall we? So I've got a two of the questions and initially my thought was, oh, what we'll do is we'll sit down and we'll interview you and what will happen is we'll stare at you and make you very nervous and we'll mm-hmm. get very awkward questions out of you. There's, then I figured, well, this is going to be our first episode, so it probably makes sense for us to answer questions as well, and sort of just try and take it from there into like a bit of a general discussion. So first up is, how did you first get into writing in general? Um, I started writing as a horror writer, really. After I left university, I got a really, really horrible job that I hated in Reading, um, but I fell in with some lovely people who happened to be story writers, just... Um, in a, an amateur way, they would write stories and read them to each other, and they sort of took me under their wing, and we started writing um, regular stories um, to read to each other. And I think the first one I did was for a Halloween session, and I wrote a ghost story about a woman who is drowned by her unfaithful husband, and then comes back and sneaks into his bed. Um, and uh, we had a power cut that night when I read it out, and they were really <laughs> quite. Nervous as they walked home late at night, so that's how I started writing with this with this group. And I went on for some years writing horror stories and thought I might be a horror story writer. In fact, have you always written under that name, or have you written under? No, I write under a different name. I write. Okay. I still do write some horror. In fact, I got I think I've got three horror stories being published this year, which is a bit of a shock, really. But um, most most of the time, I write erotica under the Janine Ashworth name. Yeah, you you're a Pen name for your horror story. It's not Stephen King, is it? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> okay, so Anna, when how did you first get involved with writing in general? I've always been a reader, not a writer, and although I like words and playing with words, it's not something that ever really occurred to me I have to do. And my partner, who is sick to death of this story now, 
He has been writing for years and years and years and has a number of unfinished pieces which remarkably now are being published. He's he seeming to get around to finishing. But he was busy writing all night and he had his book out and he was scrolling away and huffing and puffing and sighing and I looked and thought, oh for goodness sake, how hard can it be? And um, yeah, this is where my masochistic streak comes in because I found out that yeah, it's really hard and once it gets bitten by the bug, it doesn't stop and because I liked reading erotica, I decided to write it and then the whole world does change and you realise that you have a really deep and twisted brain. So yeah, that's how I got started and it's remarkably a lot of fun. I should just point out, you know, some giggles of Jiren and Jiren Amelanda, and his partner is in the room and is looking highly, highly tickled by her um, description of his activities. So how did you get started, Tom? Um, well, I was going to give a very boring answer if I've been writing for as long as I can remember since I was at school, certainly. I only really started writing stuff properly at university, kind of thereafter. Still not intending it for publishing, but certainly kind of taking writing seriously, they might go, this is something that is interesting that you can work on and make good. So it's kind of spinning back around, so how did you get involved in Amostica? Well, a friend loaned me a Black Place book, um, oh, sorry, gave me a Black Place book, which was about King Arthur's Knights, I think it was a selection of short stories about King Arthur's Knights. And I read it, and it was like a light going on, to be honest, because um, I realised that all the stories I'd had knocking round in my head for... Well, since I was old enough to think about that sort of thing, um, it had somewhere to be to go if they were written out. They were, the, the act, people were actually publishing this sort of stuff. Um, and I was just knocked out, so I sat down, I wrote um, a book of short stories. Um, I sent one into Black Place. They said, yes, we'll publish it. Um, and then they said, yes, we'll take the rest of the book. So that was it. That's how I started. Because I... Um, Somebody, somebody gave me a book, that was it. And this was obviously back in, back in the good old days for Kindle and self-publishing. Oh yes, period. back in the 1990s. <laughs> back in the 1990s, That's back when I was a reader. <laughs> that makes me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm older than you guys. <laughs> I, it, it was a question I did have on my list, but I thought it might be a little important to ask what age you um, got involved in it. I'm just kind of curious about that sort of perspective. Um, so but it's perfectly acceptable to tell me to shut up. No, I'm just trying to do the maths in my head and um, struggling. Um, well, I came to it in my mid thirties. Mid thirties, mid thirties. Yeah. I'm over thirty eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I know. How did you kind of did it just start being just straight into erotica, or did you do anything kind of? Did you do any writing? I would say no, except for last month, of course, one of the other kinky bricks who's not here, Hordy, like he had the July submissions challenge where we had to write 10 pieces of erotica for various different submissions, which I spectacularly failed at, but I wasn't the only one. And um, I wrote one piece and it turned out to be more horror and wasn't erotica at all, but it was a really good way to play with words and because it was set in the probably the 1920s, it was a different language and it was really good fun to write but I've always, I started off just writing a bit of erotic and more for fun and then I went to the Smock by the Sea event last year 
I went to Roscon this year, I came to Nine Worlds last year and started doing a lot of creative writing learning and it went from there really. So yeah, I've always done erotica except for that one thing. For me, my perspective, I've basically been writing erotica for about eight months now. Wow, is that all? <laughs> um, and it's it's one of the things where I kind of I, I'd written some stuff before, but kind of never in any kind of situation. I never took it seriously the way that I took other stories seriously. You know, the horrifically pretentious stuff that's done under my other name. But yeah, I I, I think really kind of it, it. I was reading something that really brought home to me just actually how easy or how straightforward it is to get stuff out there, and you know, in a position where people can read it nowadays with Kindle's me publishing. That that made it a lot less intimidating than the process of you know writing. You know, an entire erotic novel and sending it off to a publisher and, you know, kind of approaching a, a big entity saying, you know, I think this turns me on, please don't tell me I'm wrong. I think erotica and erotic romance are actually large markets and compared to other genres, very open um, and looking for new people. Um, it's not as intimidating as, for example, trying to get into the horror market, which is really hard. Um, so, yeah, erotica is a good place. To, to writing, people are generally, I have found, um, helpful and friendly, and um, will not be mean and horrible to you. <laughs> Do you find, sorry, on no, the no. flip side of that, because um, when you look at, if you want to look at it from a sheer money-making point of view, and I don't write for. I, I enjoy the process of writing, which is why I write. But if you do want to make money out of it, would you say that because erotica is such a more open market, more looking for new people to come into it, if you are looking to make a career of writing, that that makes erotica a really bad move? Because although horror is harder to get into, the, the pay rate may be better. Probably at the high end, <coughs> professional end, there are more people making money out of just writing horror novels than just writing erotic novels. I'm not going to, I wouldn't stake my life on that one, because um, they are both relatively small genre markets in themselves. The really big market is erotic romance, and people can make a very good living there. Um, they have to be incredibly prolific, and they have to cater to the fans. Um, and they have to know the market, and they have to churn it out. It's not something I'm very much into myself at all, but it does border, it overlaps erotica, obviously, erotic romance, or hot romance these days. There is an overlap, and, that, and if you were going to make money, you need to head towards the romance end of things. Yeah, and you also see the people that are successful there, they work really hard. Oh, yeah. It, it, you know, gone are the days where a publisher will give you this big, uh, royalty advance and all the rest of it and you just sit and watch the money you know it is hard work everyone thinks because of the kindle and everything else it's easy to get your work out there and it is but you're just one in a crowd then aren't you? that's right yeah and you, you have to turn out several books a year you have to do all your own marketing all your social networking um or talking to the fans um it's it's it is a a really big a task to take on to do that sort of thing. Um, now, you, you mentioned kind of that there's erotic, but then the real money is kind of very much more in the kind of erotic romance. And yeah. Is, do you see erotic romance as being kind of more in, in line with erotic in that element, or is erotic romance basically sort of romance but with lobster tacked on? But lots of. 
I think I think romance has always been it, it's a genre to itself. It has its own rules. It has its own expectations. It has its own readership. It has taken from erotica over the last decade or so um, a lot of elements. You know, there is more sex. Um, there is um, this uh, the whole menage thing. Um, very is very big in romance now. So it doesn't have to be one man, one woman. You've got this sort of uh, male-male romance written for women, by women, um, which is a, a sub-genre all on, on its own. So these are all things that romance has almost taken from erotica and added to its um, its portfolio. Um, pure erotica sort of remains a bit to the side. I love the notion of pure erotica. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> um, Actually, it's kind of dwelling slightly on that one. Then, do you see a distinction between erotica and porn? A lot of people draw a line. I was wondering, do you draw that line yourself? And if so, where? Um, I think porn is stuff you like, and erotica is stuff I like. I think that's what the definition boils down to. I don't think there's a distinction. It's a purely matter of taste. I think if you want to start get, defining it, you have to sort of. You can talk about what and all the rest of it, but it, it's just a case of what the individual likes, isn't it? I'm totally agree with that. What about you? I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably the same opinion. I think that uh, I think it's a meaningless distinction and it's only really serves. It's, it's, one of, it's one of those weird words basically you use in order to express an opinion without explicitly expressing an opinion. So how easy do you find it, Charlie, to tell people you write your article? Because there's this whole thing where if you are a sci-fi writer or a horror writer or other genres, it's quite easy to go, oh yeah, I write this. But when it comes to erotica, all of a sudden you talk about sex and personal. Why do you think that is and, and what's your, how have you found it when you talk to people and do you say that you write erotica? I generally don't. Unfortunately, when it comes to my erotica writing, I'm much more... I've not come out of the closet. I've just made my closet bigger and dragged some people in. Kinky. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of... There's there's very much sort of like, you know, two two big circles I interact with. There's people who I interact with in the, in the erotic writing frame. And by, by and large, for the most part, it's sort of... It's um, it's like people pre-selecting. So it's like, I know if I go, you know, to Eroticon or Slot by the Sea or as much as Manchester that... Um, I, I, I'm absolutely fine talking about anything. I know he's going to bat an eye in if I start talking about cops and porn and Williams and things. It's great. Why don't you talk about cops? Um, I don't know, but please don't say Willie again. <laughs> <laughs> he's throbbing manhood, please. Oh. <laughs> and then in real life, there are a handful of people who, who know me, you know, and they're generally people who I'm very close with, you know, close, not really family, but close friends. Um, they know me, and it's kind of, a mark of how well they know me or how much I trust them that I'm happy to talk to them about it. And they've all been, you know, very, very encouraging and very interesting. Almost to a single, almost to a man, they've all kind of gone, oh, what's your pain name then? <laughs> oh, can I read some of your stuff? So I think, I think they, I think they actually, broadly, I don't tell people. Unless I'm already in the environment where it's kind of assumed. Yeah. So this weekend's a bit of an interesting one for me because I'm interacting with people an awful lot in this case of, actually, I, this isn't, I, uh, yeah, I, I write, I'm a writer, I suppose. I write some stuff, and if they, if they kind of insist on programs over, I might tell them. But I'm not quite that, I think this is an interesting grey area, I'm not in this situation this weekend, I'm not being quite out, so it would be normally. Yeah. You were quite out at the smart slam. 
That's true. For someone who's only just started writing erotica, as you say, you seem to possess a fair amount of confidence. Um, should we explain this or should we just leave it for the listeners? <laughs> Let's leave an air of mystery so that if anybody does come to um, one of the other smut events, they may actually be treated to um, the special piece. By the city in, that's smut by the city in November and there's also going to be smut in Luton. Smut Luton yeah. in March. March. Uh, Google it. <laughs> um, there'll be links in the show notes because we're going to have show notes by the way. Other search engines are available. <laughs> but why would you? Does writing not take this in any way change the way you interact with people or has it changed your relationships with people at all? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure whether I want to expand on that. Um, being Janine Ashbless, in inverted commas, um, has changed my life in that, you know, I'm going out and talking to people and going to conventions and standing up and doing readings in front of people and all sorts of things I would never have dreamed of doing. I actually, I, I ended up going to the House of Lords once as, as, a, <laughs> as, a, as part of a delegation to, to talk to the Lords about them um, and MPs about uh, um, copyright law and stuff like that, you know. So just the fact of being an author, I don't think it's genre specific, has made me much more confident in many ways um, and less introverted. I'm still an introvert, really, but I can I can do the do the uh, professional thing. We are basically a room full of four introverts here, right? Yeah, of <laughs> course. Here right now. Of course. This We're writers. To, <laughs> we speaking into these anonymous black boxes. That's kind of how we're using them to people. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think it does. Writing erotica does change things, and maybe if I wrote other genres as well, I wouldn't see any different. But. I think I look at people differently and interactions between people differently and especially because um, I tend to write some of the more kinky stuff, I you notice subtle things with people more and also no object is an innocent thing. <laughs> you start, you know, you can sit in a room like this and your brain can go off in a million directions and you have to keep reading yourself in. That just reminds me, I was talking to a friend who went to see The Rain 2 recently and he, he looked kind of shell-shocked and he said that, that film has changed the way I look at all sharp objects and blunt objects. <laughs> I said, well, doesn't that mean every object? He said, yes. <laughs> I said, well, that's just like hanging around with KJ for a while. <laughs> I also think writing erotica and being part of the community and reading other people's stuff has made me an awful lot more broad-minded and just more understanding of people. Yeah. Um, more accepting that everybody's different. Yes. Yes. And there's no, it doesn't make anybody better or worse, it's just we're all different. That's right. Mm-hmm. And not trying to impose my worldview on, on everyone else and just assuming that my point of view was the correct one. And it comes back to that, your kink is not my kink phrase Absolutely. again, doesn't it? Yeah. There's stuff out there that I read that makes me go, mm. not my thing. But that doesn't make it any less valid. And as you say, the great thing is that we can come to an event and meet other erotica authors. And I think it's actually quite a small community as well, because we do keep crossing paths. And it's nice because we can say hello and we can talk about each other's work or writing ideas and 
there is just that you write stuff that's different from me and that's great and yeah. I think for me because I'm very new at this it's um, a little important for me to say that I think it's necessarily changed me but it's certainly been a very interesting experience thus far and I've met some really lovely people. Yeah. Coming back to the kinkiness set, so <laughs> there's a um, um, strand in Toronto who's a, a Canadian based um, sex bombing writer who's um, lives in Toronto I believe or near Toronto. Um, he posts regular jokes on Twitter about how um, he talks to barmaids and explains that he's an erotica writer and uh, the best thing is the research. So do you feel it's important for kind of all sorts of writers to research their math their material properly or is it a theoretical understanding sufficient? I have a really great get out clause for this because I do tell friends and family that I write. Some of them know the genre I write in, not all do. And I am very careful who I speak to, but occasionally I kind of get that look as if to say, well, surely you must do everything that you write about. And the get out clause is that if you are writing a murder mystery and you've got all the forensic stuff in, does that mean that you automatically go out and murder people to know how to describe the body? So there is that very much get out of Gerald Friedland. However, and I can't remember who it was at one of the workshops this weekend, said that whatever you might, there's always a little bit of autobiography in there somewhere. And I think for me, there is definitely some level of autobiography in there. It's a starting point. And I also tend to write a lot of first-person stuff, as it's a lot easier. So I have to be very careful not to put too much of myself in when I'm doing that, and to try and keep in that character's viewpoint. If that answers your question. I have an even better get out clause because an awful lot of my erotica revolves around sex with um, types of creatures that do not exist. I mean, I've done sex with dragons, sex with trolls, sex with ghosts, you know, all this sort of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, so when people say, have you tried everything, I can sneer at them in a scathing manner. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, having said that, I... It has made me more experimental, because uh, I think you've got to write accurately. I think when, if you are particularly reading something um, about people's feelings, about what it feels like um, doing certain things, or they're trying out peculiar positions or something like that, um, and they don't know what they're talking about, it can be really obvious. Um, without getting into gruesome personal details, sometimes you can just... You just think, you're only writing this because this is, this is what you read in someone else's book. You haven't actually done that yourself. Um, I would put money on that. Yeah. And I think that's something to avoid, really, if you can. I mean, I'm not suggesting you try everything. You just try, you try the stuff you're interested in and you're comfortable with. I went to um, uh, a King nightclub, for example, and that is one of the things I did. Um, I had the opportunity to do it. I thought, yes, I should do it to find out what it's like because I'm not going to be writing about the BDSM nightclub. I ought to know what it looks like and feels like and how people act in there and stuff like that. So I went, and it was terrific fun. Um, <laughs> I did actually read somewhere that someone suggested, you know, the artist posable models that you get the wooden ones with the little joints everywhere. You actually get a couple of those and just make sure that the positions are physically possible. Yeah. And when I'm writing, I'll often be sort of contorting myself into various positions just as I'm going through the writing just to make sure that it is physically possible. <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> no, no, I'm being laughed at. 
But there's nothing worse than if you're, as you say, if you're reading something, you go, hang on, they can't be in that position, kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, from my perspective, it's, um, I, 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 have, I think I have, again, of course, the tops of both of you, so I write, um, predominantly from a female point of view, so I can say, well, ah. yeah. Um, but Sorry, was that actually no, 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 no? I was going to say suck on that, but that just seems to be <laughs> given the um, But I, I, I am genuinely interested in a lot of stuff I write, and uh, what this means is that an awful lot of time I won't write about stuff I'm interested in, but as someone comes along and it interests me, I, it's like a um, chastity play. It's not something I, I, I knew of it. I wasn't the slightest bit interested ever. Not me, no thank you, I don't get it. Then I read something about it that made me think, it was like, oh. And then I went away and thought about it. And then I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then it just kind of niggled at the back of my brain. And before I know it, I've written like four short stories on it. It's a case of, do you want to explain what chastity play is? Because people out there are going to get what? <laughs> uh, chastity play is where you have uh, some kind of device that contains genitals um, and basically prevents them from being used in the uh, normal sexual fashion whilst not hindering its up there the other things that go on. These devices are typically locked, and the person who's got the key to the lock usually isn't the person who's wearing the device. Very succinctly put. There's a lot of very interesting information out there, um, and it was something that I, yeah, once I started thinking about it, because that's a really fascinating idea, and it just wouldn't go away until I like, you know, poured out like, you know, 20,000 words on the subject. <laughs> cool. Did you reach a resolution? Or would you rather not say? <laughs> I'm not going to say it right now, <laughs> um, but it comes into other things like you know I'm I'm currently writing quite a few um, rope-based stories just because rope is amazing and if you sit down with me in a room for any length of time I'm probably going to wind up talking to you about either um, ropes or martial arts or firefly or you know mm-hmm. it, it, there's certain things that will just like be inevitable topics of conversation after a while. You're a rope geek. <laughs> uh, basically, yes. There's a question on that later, so you don't. don't uh, so we'll come back to that. You see, rope is something I don't think I could write about. I don't have enough knowledge of it. So I, um, I could research it, but... Um, what I'd say is that I did paper research before I wrote kind of my first story. Um, it was a very interesting touch of experience. My first time getting tied up was really revelatory. It was an experience of kind of, oh, right, that's why people like this. Oh, yeah. See, see the, doing the research does make a difference. It does make a difference, yes, and I, I totally recommend it. So, okay, so come kind of background to the slightly more business side of things. Speaking as a, as a writer who's been writing for uh, decades now, um, oh, gosh, I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> Fail! <laughs> He's saying writing. I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you have... You, you, got a lot of stuff published and you've been writing for some time so you've yes. got quite a lot of writing experience on your belt. So Charlie was going to ask you. <laughs> um, what's your view of the changes in the market and the technology over the last few years? Some are good, some are bad. Um, for example, a really good thing, you won't be old enough to remember this, but you used to have to submit every book on paper. You have to you used to have to print it out and send it off in the mail. You don't have to do that anymore at all for any any publisher. Electronic communication makes things much much easier. Um, it's much much easier to research stuff nowadays um, than it used to be, and that's brilliant. If if you're like me and you write a book which 
can have any sort of background in any historical period or, or uh, non-historical period. Uh, you know, I, I might be researching something about the military or I might be some, researching something about uh, mythology or, um, you know, just almost any subject can be used as part of a background to a story. So, so just the ability to pull all that information in is fantastic. The erotica market goes through ups and downs. Um, it was on a high when I joined. It crashed. It came back with Fifty Shades of Grey, that, that book. book. But only for some people. It was it was very much a case of if you are writing um, billionaire and, and virgin BDSM stuff, yes, you're in there. And people got their old books um, repackaged and reprinted and suddenly on all the shelves in, in supermarkets, for crying out loud, uh, which was terrific. I don't like that sort of stuff. It didn't make any difference to me. Um, I think the stranglehold that Amazon is um, exerting over the industry is frightening. Um, but probably not something we can fight. And that's a very big topic. Yeah, I actually read the counter-argument because it's the whole Amazon versus Shets and um, the way that the media are basically portraying it. I'm just explaining the best of the podcast and please correct me if I'm wrong. That um, Hachette came, um, the end of its contract came up with Amazon and Amazon wanted to renew but actually enforce a whole lot of things onto Hachette who refused. So that meant that Hachette's books inventory are not available to pre-order now and that includes very big authors such as J.K. Rowling. Amazon aren't actually pulling the books in, they're not pre-ordering the books because they don't know they're going to sell them because they can't sell them pre-orders. And a lot of authors, even the big ones, rely on making it into the pre-order charts in order to have the post-success. And, you know, I'm talking about the publishing market as a whole. But then I was reading about the flip side of that and what Hachette is trying to strong-arm with its um, authors as well. So I think it's... Yes, Amazon are the biggest players in the industry who can exert a lot of pressure and we basically have to, what Amazon wants, we, you know, they get. But on the other hand, there's other things going on in the industry that that's perhaps masking because of everything that's going on at the moment. There are, there are big changes taking place. I mean, when I started, it was basically bookshops and um, very little internet sales. That was, that was a new thing coming in. The supermarkets then um, waded in and the net book agreement was dumped, which meant they could start undercutting bookshops and supermarkets pretty much set out to drive the independent bookshop off the street. Um, but they would only be selling bestsellers. So all, all the, the people who were not going to be in the top 20 um, books in the country were, were not getting their books out there. So small booksellers are, are going under, but um, I think even even supermarkets sort of can't compete with Amazon, of course, because you know everything's there at the touch of a button. Amazon lean on the publishers to lower to you know um, lower their prices, increase Amazon's market margin on it. The publishers lean on everybody they can, which includes the authors. Um, yeah. yeah, there's. It, it seems strange, but the authors really bottom, you know, the lowest 
level on the on the feeding chain when it comes to the publishing industry. I think so. I mean, that's indicative of say the British farming industry. If you look Absolutely. at the, the whole story with milk, you know, it's the, the the farmer who suffers at the end of the day from all the price wars going on. Absolutely. So it's it's the same business model just applied in a different market. Yeah. Yeah, it's globalisation, it's it's big business, it's, it's capitalism, that's how it works. And, and like I say, I don't think there's anything we can do to fight it, to be honest. I think we've just got to live with this. But on the other hand, the rise of self-publishing has enabled a lot of people to have their voices heard. As I said before, it's one voice in a sea of voices, so you have to try and differentiate yourself somehow. Mm-hmm. But maybe, on the, you know, you do a lot of self-publishing, don't you? I exclude yourself. No, that's a nice listening. I sense it for other people as well sometimes, but mostly yes. self-publish. Yeah, so you've got a different experience. Do you self-publish at all, or is it all done through publishing? I don't self-publish. I've been tempted sometimes, and then these horror stories just keep coming out. about you Because know, if you're on your own, you don't have that much clout. If you haven't got a publisher behind you, and somebody starts ripping off your books and publishing them under their own name, you know, what can you do about it? You know, there there are really scary horror stories that are out there about. Because that's the thing. I mean, copyright laws exist, but doing something about it is the bit that costs the money. But as an indie author, yeah. the money's just not there for it, and it's not worth it. In that, it's you know, you're protecting your work, but there's no financial gain from having done things. So, yeah. But kind of stemming off from now, I wanted to ask a little bit about um one of the one of the big um. Kind of, they, they have different different streams here at the, at the Geek Fest. There are different kinds of geekery. You know, there's a podcasting stream, and there's like you know a, a Game of Thrones um, stream, and all these other bits and pieces. Knitting, geek feminism, a lot of really cool stuff. Um, and it's kind of interesting because when they do cross over, they all just literally merge the sessions. One of the ones that's coming a lot is fanfic, and an awful lot of fanfic is filthy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> What's your take on that? I have no connection with the fanfic world. I haven't written it, I haven't read it. I'm sorry, I don't have anything. Do you see it as a threat or a...? It's not a threat to me. <laughs> People write fanfic about mainstream stuff, don't they? You'd be surprised. Um, you would be surprised. Do you listen to Penny Paperfaces? Penny Paperbrain. Paperbrain. Not Paperface. Not Paperface. Penny Paperbrain. No. Oh, do tell. <laughs> She, I mean, her... Her, her, her um, performance piece that we spoke about yesterday was... Um, Sherlock-based. Uh, Sherlock-based yes. and um, also lesbian, BDSM, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She does have a book out based, uh, a fiction piece, fiction novel, based on um, the London BDSM scene as well. So, um, And she does write her own work, but she does a lot of... Fanfic as well. So. I did kind of like that. It gives an air of distance to it. It's kind of gives you, yeah, it's what it's what what the real world for fun. Mm. I think fanfic's a really interesting thing because if there's a particular aspect of character in something that you want to explore or you think something should happen, it's a way of going and doing it, making it happen. I genuinely don't know how that fits in with copyright and all the rest of it. So it's not something that, first of all, well, I like reading it. I don't think I have the ability to write it, and because I'm a scaredy cat, I wouldn't go close to it because it's copyrighted. But I've read some incredibly hot, 
male male BBC Sherlock based gay fanfic erotica. Um, it's John Locke you're looking for there. Is it John Locke? Right. But I was absolutely blown away by it because the quality of the writing was such that I could actually hear the characters when they were doing their piece of dialogue. I could actually hear the right voices in my head and it was quite frightening. But yeah. It is a very bizarre comic. I mean, particularly the, the, the Sherlock translation in particular is like one of the really, really big groups in it. I mean, everyone kind of is like, okay, well, you know, Star Trek, you know, Harry Potter, that's kind of their, their big, huge global brands. Sherlock is this slightly obscure BBC program that does quite well. I mean, that's just like, it's kind of, I like the idea that it's kind of spawned something far bigger than itself in this way. I think fanfic's a great place to hone your skills. Um, until you become confident enough to create your own characters. And that's a jump, isn't it? You, you, if you're starting off with a set of engaging characters that you know your readers are already have already bought into and they're already invested in, you get to write as well as you can in their voice and do really clever stuff. But to then have to take that leap and to create your own engaging characters and make people invest in them and make people believe in them. That's, that's quite a, a big job and it's frightening and yeah. So I think fanfic sounds like a terrific place to start writing. What can I say? I don't think it should end there. If you're that good, you should be out there writing your own books, yeah. not just fanfic. But I, I completely agree. Um, it's interesting we're talking about developing and kind of going on from like just writing these things with stock characters to the point where you have your own characters that you people engage with. What I've been finding is that as I, when I first started I was just doing short stories and then as time's going on they're naturally growing longer and turning into sequences and becoming longer. Inevitably there's like more plot and more dialogue and more characterization is coming in. So I feel almost like I'm doing a similar sort of thing myself where I start off with just the fucking. And there's like fucking and a little bit of talking. <laughs> Okay. And then fuck talk, fuck, fuck covers all manner of sins. Okay. Um, and so I do, I, one of my works in progress at the minute is I'm contemplating a novella, possibly. Maybe even erotic romance, who knows. Um, so yes, it's quite interesting that it's, again, I think it's a very similar thing, it's a place where it's a place to practice honing skills and then slowly develop. That's where the only difference is I'm putting mine out there, that's people for money for. I'm still a rat now. Um, so, yes, we've still got a few minutes left. No sign of Christine and Lloyd. We'll have to hunt her down with um, some of those um, foam rubber axes I've seen hanging around. I thought you meant tasers. Wait, you hand her Yeah, but that was fine. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, 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 you didn't want to know that. <laughs> However... Tasers are a little bit creepier, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry. Um, you weren't going to talk about rope, Charlie, so, you know, you don't have lost sewer in, or... <laughs> Don't get me started. Um, <laughs> so just kind of coming back to kind of a just more general thing about where we are and what we've been up to. What, what do you guys, what do you guys made of the conference so far? <laughs> so far, yeah. Um, yeah, we've still got another day to go. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I went to last year's Geek Fest, which was the first. Um, this year seems bigger and, and better, and yeah, it's terrific. I'm really enjoying it. What kind of geek are you into? Which of the streams are you invested in? Oh, I'm, I'm, I do some weird, um, I, I, as a geek, I'm a live action role player, a LARPer. Um, I am into Call of Cthulhu, the, um, the horror genre and the game. Um, so that's tabletop gaming. Um, I'm 
that whatever geekery, I don't know. Uh, I can't remember, it's all gone blank. You've got some good geekery in there already. Yes, yes, that is great. Um, uh, Yeah, and sort of various, you know, film and movie and TV series. It's sort of, I'm not not a a crazed Doctor Who fan or anything. I enjoy it very much, but uh, but yeah, Cthulhu. Get me going on Cthulhu. Oh dear. There's a lot of hand actions going on. I used to go to play (laughs) movement. Um, I think the that Nine Moles is a lot better organised this year. Last year was fantastic, but I think they've taken all the feedback and just made it just that much better. I particularly enjoyed, um, there's a lot of creative writing stuff that I do. I'm quite into the geek feminism. Uh, I love just seeing all the cosplay wandering around, but I'm just oh, in absolute awe of the cosplay. Go on, what's your favourite favorite cosplay that you've seen? I, you know what, it's really hard because I've seen so many great things, but my absolute favourite is of course all those sort of corsety type dresses and the steampunk, the steampunk stuff. Um, so yeah. Oh, I've seen a wonderful female version of Martial Law, who's a comic book character. That was terrific. <laughs> have, have you seen, um, but there's, um, Yes, it's a fully knitted Wonder Woman outfit. Someone has knitted themselves Wonder Woman. <laughs> yes, which is I, I had no idea until Nine World started that knitting was a geekery thing. But yeah, they have a knitting. Uh, I went to political needlepoints earlier, which was political needlepoints. Yeah, yeah, it was about the rise of crafting and politics and activism, and it was really interesting. Wow, there was a delightful um, bit of cosplay saw yesterday where um, I had like um, an Astro T-shirt. And she had like a knit face hugger, and she like pinned it, so it was like him crawling up her shoulder. <laughs> oh, one one thing I must mention this morning. Um, I went to think, um, a session uh, run by Jane Fay on censorship and the internet, and um, that was absolutely brilliant. And anybody who can get to hear her talk about that ought to, because uh, she she's a journalist and she knows the law and that sort of thing, and it's absolute and and a very much impact on, mm. on on erotica writers and anybody who's working on the internet doing any sort of writing that people might disapprove of. Did you take any notes or um, is it going to be like I a mix they record all the sessions. Okay folks at home there will be links in the show notes. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was going to say my favourite cosplay was Probably the guy dressed as Joe Dredd, like, is in an outfit that looks so exactly like the most recent film with Carla, you know. Oh, it's just a good film. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's like The Raid, but, like, cooler. <laughs> it's actually a lot like The Raid. Uh, Do you read 2000 AD as well? A little bit. Here and there. I, I kind of, I wasn't, I, I read the magazine a little bit, didn't really like it, but then I got, like, the big, like, compendium tones of Joe Dredd. Ah. I, I, so I read the, the, was it the, the Apocalypse War, the Armageddon mm-hmm. War? Incredibly depressing, so darkly comic as well, it's good. Yeah. Oh, brilliant stuff. I've been reading those since I was 16, so that, that is my geek point. I've been reading 2018 since I was 16. <laughs> oh, oh, we, we, we will talk about that later. Um, okay, so one last, um, okay, so one last question quickly before we wrap up. Is Eroshka a form of geekery? Anything can be a form of geekery. Yes. Knitting in point. You you just have to have that focus on on the subject. It's a, I think if you define geekery as a passion for something, something that you want to learn more about or read about or write about or get excited.
excited about or going to do, then yeah, absolutely. Okay, and so for any kind of erotica geeks who are thinking of coming along next year, have you got any suggestions or ideas for things that we've, things that we've done, like sessions that we put on or workshops or anything like that? Um, any thoughts? There are forms of thoughts I am aware of. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah. So let me get something out of my bag. Go on, spill. My other half is here. He'll protect me. That's right, I'll hand it to him. <laughs> Shucks. The gates, the, come on, the smut slam this film. year, by the way, was really well attended, so it's obviously an appetite for it, so um, yeah, I think if there's one next year, yeah, that's what you should yes, come along. Absolutely. Okay, well thank you very much for your time, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you.